Welcome to the Jay Che Show. Let's begin. Welcome to the show, and let me introduce my two guests. I have Melanie and Larry Davis. Welcome, guys. Thank Hello. you. Yes. Good morning. All right. So a uh, fine Friday morning here in Lakeland. Beautiful and I day. brought you guys on to, to do a little little chat about what it is that you do. Uh, in particular, um, what it is to be a SWAT team person and deal with criminality here in Lakeland and Polk County in general. So, Larry, uh, give us a little background on yourself, please, sir. Well, first of all, I'm an ex-SWAT member. Uh, I've been in law enforcement about 19 years. It's changed quite a bit during my time as a law enforcement officer. It's become a little bit more complicated, and it's really due to perceptions of people and I think their lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. To elaborate a little bit, everybody considers themselves being wronged or perceived uh, injustice against them when not most cops really want to just make sure everybody's safe and deter crime. Recent examples of that is where these uh, we see use of force incidents. And it's all about the person that they're talking to is perceiving that they're being persecuted when it's really someone just trying to find out what's going on, a cop. I see. And if someone would just comply with the commands of the cop, it will go smoothly. No one would get hurt. It wouldn't escalate. Uh, we see that time and time again where they fail to comply because they believe they're being wronged. Right. I've got this little saying I use is comply today, complain tomorrow. If you feel like you're being uh, persecuted unfairly or you're being judged wrongly, comply with the demands of the police officer at the time and then seek someone to complain to tomorrow. Got it. Don't escalate the situation to the point of going to jail or, or into a physical uh, encounter. Um, do what you're told. Do what you're asked. And just document it. Got it. I mean, uh, I think people fail to remember that uh, law enforcement individuals, law enforcement personnel, they're, they're humans. They're people. They're just like you or me. They're there to do their job. They're professionals at that, and they're not there to, uh, well, impede on your freedoms or, or harass you in any shape, way, shape, or form. You're absolutely right. I like to say this. If I was perfect, I wouldn't be a cop. I'd be a millionaire living on a tropical island. <laughs> uh, I'm human. I have fears. I have... Uh, anger. I have sadness. I, I experience the whole gamut of feelings. Right. And sometimes I do it while I'm at work. I see things that haunt me today that, that I encountered years ago. Sure. Uh, I see things that would make most people cry mm. when I'm dealing with people, I'm dealing with them at their worst time in life. So they automatically have a bad experience with me. Right. Um, I try to do what I can to bridge that gap. However, the personal biases, I'm there for a bad experience. And it's an overall bad time in their life, so they attribute the badness to the police. Where all I really want to do is help people. Right. Years ago, when I took this job on, I actually gave a, gave up a higher-paying job because I felt the need to do something to give back, to help out people. Mm -hmm. And I still have that philosophy today. Unfortunately, people perceive me as the enemy today. Mm. Not yeah, all, but a that's lot. A, that's a really unfortunate um, and I don't know if it is because the state of social media uh, where bad news gets more traction than good news and uh, now I mean I've known you Larry and, and your wife Melanie for for some time now and you guys are are 
I know you on a, on a, a more of a social level, so I don't I don't get to see you guys in uniform. So I just know Larry and Melanie Davis, yeah, uh, Karate Beyond members, and uh, martial artists, and all around fun people to be with. Now, of course, when you're you're, you're when you're in uniform, I'm sure you have to kind of put a different persona on, so to speak, um, versus being just Larry Davis. That's correct. It's it's professionalism. I, I conduct myself accordingly to the uniform standards. Um, yes, I joke around, but not as much as I do when I'm out of uniform. Uh, what you have to understand is my job, like all law enforcement, is to maintain order and keep the calm. Mm. When we go into any given situation, our first priority is making the area safe. Mm. If we're going to a family disturbance where there's family members fighting each other, our job is to stop that fighting, restore calm, and then try to figure out what's going on. A lot of times people do not like outsiders coming into their home. Sure. But they called us, and we just can't <laughs> ignore it once they call us. So we're, we're always kind of in a, in a bad situation. We're going into someone else's environment. But we're trying to do the best we can. And, and I'm not speaking for all law enforcement. I can't. I understand there's bad apples in every basket. I can honestly say from me and the people I know is we go into every situation with the best of intentions. We don't go there to thump somebody. We don't go there to, to uh, express dominance. We go there to calm the situation either through dominant means or negotiation, whichever the, the situation calls for. But the, the underlying mission is to restore uh, uh, calm and order. Got it. Um, I see you guys uh, in class, and every now and again, I know that you have to check to see if you've gotten any messages or, or uh, you, you get a call uh, because there's a disturbance of some kind that, that requires your attention. Uh, that has got to be a heightened sense, uh, a heightened sensory experience for you because you're kind of like your switch is turned on at that point. Yes, I am on call. A lot of law enforcement officers, whether they know it or not, or the general public knows it or not, are on call 24-7, seven days a week, 365 years a day, depending mm -hmm. on the needs of the sheriff in the county uh. and in, or the police chief. So what we do is we uh, we are always vigilant and we're always ready. Me personally, yes, I'm, I'm hyperactive. I'm always expecting the unexpected phone call. Right. And at a moment's notice, regardless if it's 2 in the afternoon or 2 in the morning, I'm getting up to answer a telephone call and running out the door. Got it. Wow. Yeah. Melanie, uh, you, I mean, you were part of the sheriff's department for a while. Uh, yes. In what capacity uh, were, were you uh, Were you at the sheriff's office? I uh, started out doing crime prevention. I worked in the district as um, an administrative assistant, and then I transferred over to the crime prevention section, which I guess is kind of what led me to my love and my passion for today, but uh, started out... Um, going out into the community and giving crime prevention programs, um, teaching kids, going to schools, you know, teaching kids about stranger danger and, you know, McGruff the crime dog and oh, yeah. all the little the fun things, right? <laughs> you know, so, I mean, that was a great, great job to have. And then I finally made the decision to transition over into law enforcement and um, hit the road for a couple of years before getting injured, and then that just kind of took me out of the game for a while. So tell tell me about the the injury. What, what was it that uh, that took you out of the game? So I had a uh, I, I blew my ACL out. Um, I was on. I went to a call 
um, where the front door was open on a residence, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like a compound. There was um, like an eight-foot chain-link fence all the way around. Here in Polk County? Yes, yes, over in Winter Haven. <coughs> and somebody called and said, you know, the front door is wide open, and we know the people aren't home. We think somebody may be inside. Uh, so I went to the call, and um, so I'm climbing the fence trying to get over it, um, got over it fine, and, you know, we cleared the house. Nobody was there. And then I had to climb back over to get to my car. And um, so climbing up and got over and got my foot on the, the rail in the, the fence and jumped down. And as soon as I jumped down, I just heard that huge, loud pop in my knee. And Ooh. I was down for the count. <laughs> so a couple of the guys that came to back me up, they were, you know, trying to get over the fence to get to me because – Mm-hmm. I mean, I just immediately crumbled and yeah. cried and, oh you know, God, all the stuff that goes along with knee injuries. But mm-hmm. um, so I had to have surgery and have the, the ACL replaced. And right. So, well, I, just, I mean, uh, you're, I, I know that you have uh, you've you're becoming an NRA instructor. Yes, I actually have my class um, scheduled the end of this month, actually the 22nd, 23rd over in mm-hmm. Tampa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I took the NRA basic pistol class and got certified you have to have that prior to doing the instructor class so mm-hmm. i took that back in december and got certified at an instructor level so oh, hopefully with the uh the upcoming instructor course which i've got to start studying for because i haven't um but hopefully i can get that under my belt and start doing some right some firearms instruction for right. NRA. yes uh and i i know that you've been um giving seminars and classes uh, in particular to women and and self-defense for for women well i'm staying away from the term self-defense i'm kind of leaning more towards personal safety because i don't want anybody thinking you know i'm some mma somebody that's (laughs) that's gonna you know teach Uh you all these choke holds and stuff like that although you have taught us great (laughs) i'm I'm just not ready to put that out there yet Uh shrimping and easy Yeah, the whole shrimping thing. That may be a part of part of the class, though. But uh-huh. uh, my audience is geared towards women um, and, you know, teenagers. I'm, sure. I'm not saying just yeah. women, but uh-huh. um, my goal is to, to inform them Got and it. equip them, you know, with just everyday common sense kind of things right. that we tend to forget about. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a little irritated when I hear women say, you know, if I'm in a conversation, I always tend to bring up firearms for right. some reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, I ask them if they carry. And, sure. Oh, no, but my husband does. Okay, mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. you know, that's great. But, you know, your husband's not always going to be around. So what are that's you right. going to do? That's right. You know, to protect yourself. What are you going to do about your personal safety? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a, a, a sticky point for me. That's that's what I want to, to kind of relate to them let's get serious about this let's let's take responsibility for our own you gave me uh, you gave me an anecdote recently uh of an experience you had i I think you were uh, in your car and someone approached your uh, maybe perhaps an unsavory individual approached your car right right can you can you walk us through what happened (laughs) um do you want the location or the (laughs) well hey just uh, give whatever you want to (laughs) get I'm not banging. Lo- I'm not banging Lakeland or anything, but it was it was Lakeland. Um, but I was sitting in my car. I was getting ready to go in for an appointment, and I was a little early, so I was just sitting in my car, just scrolling through my phone. And um, as I'm doing that, I kind of see out of the, my peripheral vision, you know, somebody walking up the side of my vehicle, and they were pushing 
a bicycle. Okay. And so, you know, I stop and look, and then all of a sudden he's right there at my window, and he's banging on my window, and um, <clears throat> he's like, roll the window down. And I'm like, no, what do you want? And he's, you know, just keeps getting He was banging more, on your window. Yes, he's just getting more aggressive as okay. I'm telling him no. Right. And, um, you know, I thought he was actually going to bust my window out because uh-huh. he was, you know, banging with both fists by the time. Whoa, okay. Yeah, so, and, and I don't know what he wanted, but, you know, I, you know, kindly said, you need to back the fuck off. <laughs> and <laughs> and he did, you know, I, I showed him, you know, that I was carrying a weapon, sure. which I am licensed to do. Mm-hmm. It was concealed, but mm-hmm. I have the license, the permit for that. Right. And um, <clears throat> so I you know, kindly told him to do that. And he did. And he did. And, you know, life <laughs> went on. Would. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, that was, that's just, you never know. Right. I mean, you know? should you have not had your, your concealed carry? I would not things, have acted any differently. I mean, no, but things could have gone south. I mean, he could have, you know, busted through that window. I mean, any number of, of terrible things right. could have happened. Sure. And I, I never... I, I say never. I, I try not to allow myself to not think, what would I have done? Right. I always try and have a plan in place, mm-hmm. you know, whether I have a weapon with me or mm-hmm. not. You know, there are so many improvised weapons that we can use sure. that we tend to, you know, just not even right. think about. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> I always, as a female that is not always with her husband, mm-hmm. I always try and have a plan in place. Got it. You know, and, and I'm driving down the road, I'm what ifing, you right. know. Well, I mean, that's something that uh, w- when we had the active shooter uh, seminar or, uh, or meeting at my school, which you guys hosted, uh, since that meeting, I have been more aware of where I am in a public space. So if I'm in a restaurant, I see the exits. I see the people that are around me, and I take notes. Now, of course, I'm not sitting there and being super calculated, like some sort of, I don't know, military person. Perhaps I, I don't know, but uh, but I am much more aware uh, due to that meeting that you guys gave, uh, Larry. I don't know if you would speak more on on that, but uh, that was a that was a great meeting. It was highly informative. Uh, people got a lot out of that, and as a matter of fact, we may have to do another one. And, and as you discussed there, it's spatial awareness or situational awareness. If you never see the problem coming, it's going to get on you before you know it, and you're at a disadvantage. If you see something out of the ordinary, you can start making preparations for a possible attack or an escape. Mm-hmm. The point is to see it coming before it gets to you. Mm-hmm. And that's when you enter a restaurant or you enter the mall and and you're scanning around. You're looking for the exits. You're looking for indicators of something that may be amiss is someone acting strangely are they exhibiting cues or body language that's not consistent with the environment Mm -hmm. Um, it could be cold outside cold inside but they're sweating profusely Mm. are they disheveled Um, are they wearing clothes that are exaggerated to maybe hide something there's a whole possible there's a big range of, of of what ifs there the simple fact is that you're aware of your surrounding and you're, you're understanding what's in your environment mm-hmm. is the key. Mm-hmm. Once someone starts entering to, into your private space or your personal space, you can take action by simply evading them. 
turning direction, moving away from them. Mm -hmm. If they turn and follow, you know you have a problem immediately. Mm. If they continue on their original course, then it was just a, a false alarm, but you're safer for it for doing it. Is, uh, does this also apply to being in a vehicle? Like, for instance, um, you're driving home Definitely. one day from work, and you've got a car that's not exactly right on you, but they've been with you for a number of lights, perhaps. Yes. Okay. And, and you should be scanning your area. Just like if you're walking somewhere, same with driving. If someone's going to target you for a carjacking or to try to take your car or try to just follow you home, mm -hmm. they're going to follow you to that point. Mm. And you should be scanning your mirrors to say, hey, you know, this car looks familiar. Mm. If you feel that someone is following you, take some evasive maneuvers, take some different directions and see, and see if they follow you. Mm. And if they do, don't go home. Right. Don't drive, go home. drive to the, the nearest police department or law enforcement agency or call them on the phone and say, hey, I'm being followed. Hmm. I had an example a few years back where a lady was being followed. And it's really quite astonishing that she even noticed it. The car that was following her was a common car. Mm -hmm. So she started cutting uh cutting direction and going into neighborhoods just to see if this car was following. Turns out that the person was following her. And once we stopped that person, he had materials for robbery with him. Oh. Um, so she probably saved herself, saved her life just by being aware of her, her surroundings mm. and that someone was following her. Mm. Um, something that we all need to be aware of. I think something to just add to that. Um, don't, you know, if someone is following you or you think they are following you, don't confront them because, I mean, Call road me. rage, yeah. mm, right. <laughs> road rage is so ridiculous right now. So if somebody's, you know, you think someone's following you home, you know, like Larry said, you know, either call 911 and, you know, say, hey, I think somebody's call following me or, you know, go to the police station directly. But don't don't go home. So if they are following you, they know where you live. But um, definitely don't confront them. Right. You know, don't pull off the side of the road. And don't get out of your right, car. Right, no. I mean, that's just, hmm. as humans, you know, I think that's what we tend to want to do, you know. You want to fight know, back. Get that, yeah, get right. off my ass, you jerk. <laughs> you know, that's what you want to say. Right. But, you know, that's that's not the way to handle it. I mean, that's not the safe way to handle sure. it. So, you know, just avoid that mm -hmm. at all costs if you can. I mean, we, I, I feel like uh, living in Lakeland, uh, we are a bit insulated N now. I, I could be completely wrong here, but completely insulated from a lot of the problems that big cities have, Tampa, Orlando. But uh, I think I'm completely wrong in that assumption. That that you know, just because you're in a smaller city doesn't mean that you get the you don't get the level of crime that you would in a bigger city just because, you know, hey, you're, you're in Lakeland and this is Polk County and we're safe. Well, statistically, crime is low and it has been in decline for a while. The thing is, crime is either planned or it's opportunistic and anybody is acceptable to that crime. If it's, if it's yeah, a crime, crime triangle, <laughs> if it's, if it's a crime of opportunity, uh, 
it may be that you let your guard down at the right time and the right person was there to see it and they're going to exploit that situation. Hmm. Or if it's planned where someone is following you home because they think you have some tangible object they want. Either you have large amounts of cash, you have this, you have that, but it's a planned act. And either way, you have to understand that you have to deter opportunistic crime and then protect yourself against planned attack. Mm-hmm. And she just mentioned the, the crime triangle. I'll let her explain that to you. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what is this? What is this crime triangle? Like? Well, we talk about, you know, the criminal having the desire to commit a crime, you know, so okay. that there's there's three, you know, three sides to a triangle. Sure. You know, so one of them is the, the desire for him to go out and would that be considered motivation right or desire motivation yes well i just think you know when you have these people that don't have the motivation to go out and get a real job you know then that motivates them to go commit crime you know if they have that criminal element in their head Mm -hmm. you know that you know it's just easier for me to go out and steal something than it is for me to find a job somewhere right then they have that desire to go you know you leave your car door unlocked at night so you know this criminal that has the desire to you know find a couple of coins and the mm-hmm. the your cup holder right um but they have that desire to go out and commit the crime mm-hmm. and they have the ability to do that so that's another side of the crime triangle okay. so you have desire ability and then the bottom of the triangle is, is. opportunity okay so we can break the triangle by removing the opportunity We can lock our car at night. We can lock our home up. Mm -hmm. We cannot, you know, give them, you know, flashing all our stuff around for them to, you know, leaving our windows open when we're gone, you know, for the day or something. So somebody that's walking the street can, oh, yeah, that looks nice. I'll come back later when I know they're not home Mm. and take that out for myself. But I mean, isn't it isn't it uh, with the advent of technology, isn't it a bit more difficult for criminality, like theft, for instance, to exist. I mean, have you seen a decline because of that? Because we have all these uh, products that are on the market now with Nest and Simply Safe, and uh, you know, ev- everyone has access to to seeing everything uh, in regards to their home. That is, it may deter a small number, but as we see on the news, all these uh, car burglaries. People know it. They're just covering up. They're wearing hoodies. They're wearing masks. They're wearing gloves, and they're going into the cars. Mm -hmm. Um, Does technology help? Yes, it does. But with the advent of each new technology, there becomes a method to defeat it, Mm. and it's a never-ending cycle. Mm -hmm. We always advance. Crime catches up. We advance again. Crime catches up. Mm -hmm. It's it's not going to change. Um, the only thing I can say is I, I, I see a lot of people, and I've had people tell me that I don't lock my car because I don't want the person to break my window to get in. Mm. Well, why don't we make these criminals work for a living? If they're going to break in your car, make them work at it. Mm-hmm. That's what you have insurance for. <laughs> Bust your window <laughs> we, out. But we right. do have, you know, I see it time and time again where people don't lock their vehicle. And the video shows the person going up and just checking the handle. And if it opens, they go inside and get what they want. Right. If it's locked, they walk away. Mm-hmm. The hardened, more hardened criminals are going to break the window. Mm-hmm. Once they do that, they risk detection by sound movement, and it may prevent them from getting in the car. Got it. That's what I mean by making them work for it. If right. a criminal is going to take something from you, make them work hard to get it. Mm-hmm. If a criminal is going to hurt you or hurt your family, 
They may do that, but make them work hard to do it. Mm. Don't give it to them for free. Right. Uh, broad daylight, uh, local park. You know, we got a lot of parks here in Lakeland. There's cars, there's you know, uh, your SUVs and your vans, moms and dads bringing their kids and the strollers and everything. And I, I saw recently, I think it was on Facebook, where it was in broad daylight. A car pulled up, a guy popped out, checked the, checked the car doors to see if they're unlocked. And then, you know, nothing was, not, they were all locked and he got it back in and he drove off. I mean, it's as fast as that. Mm-hmm. Opportunity. Yeah. So somebody didn't give them the opportunity to get right. in the car. Right. And what they're looking for is something they can steal quickly, either for tangible cash, fast cash, like electronics, mm-hmm. or it could be something more planned out, more uh, determined to be, uh, or say, well, say fraud, mm-hmm. if, if you have a wallet or a purse. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people will leave a purse in the front seat or in the floorboard in plain view. Mm-hmm. Someone sees that, breaks the window, grabs it, and they're gone. And they're the doing that. They're doing that in a matter of seconds. Got it. So they have access to your credit cards, your driver's license, your home address, your social security card, mm-hmm. and now you're you're a victim of, of identity theft. Mm-hmm. And that is one of uh, a major concern now in law enforcement is people getting this information through burglary to facilitate further crimes of fraud. Mm. So if you have to leave your purse in the car, put it in the trunk, take that little extra step, walk around, lock it in there. Or just remove it from view to, to protect yourself. Right. Uh, let's say uh, middle of the night. You're in your home. You're asleep. And uh, a bur- burglar comes by, checks the door, finds it unlocked or finds a window unlocked, gets in. And you wake up. You have your wits about you. You go for your firearm. You shoot this person dead. Or this burglar dead. What do we do? Call 911. Okay. If the person, if you have taken some kind of uh, lethal force, deadly force, or incapacitated someone, you should now talk. think about trying to render aid to the person. If it's safe to do so, the best way to to get aid to this person is to call nine one one. A medic will be dispatched, police will de- be dispatched, and they will get there relatively quickly for you for them to secure the scene. Again, their their main job in life is to maintain order and restore the calm. But don't disturb anything. Don't touch anything. No. 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 No, you want to preserve Don't the start ev- cleaning up. No, <laughs> you want to preserve the evidence because every every story has to be told and it has to be told correctly. Right. And Keep if you take some kind of action and then you try to uh, contaminate or change that environment, it could be looked on as you're trying to hide something. Got it. When normally you wouldn't have anything to hide. Right. So you want to preserve the evidence, you want to preserve the scene to let that speak for you. If if that happens to someone, a homeowner, where a burglar does come in and uh, they have their firearm and they shoot this um, burglar dead, they call 911, they wait for the police to arrive. What happens then? I mean, the, the police come right to the front door or should 
should the homeowner go outside, wait for the police to arrive? Where do they put the gun that they used? There, there's so many variables to this. There's no way to answer it. Mm-hmm. Um, is this person in your house? Do you have kids in your house? Do you have a, an, an adult that's not mobile? Are they unable to get out of bed and can leave? All these things will dictate where you go. If it's possible for you to cover the suspect until law enforcement arrives, great. If it's possible for you to escape, then do so and wait outside. It, but the variables will dictate. Right. I, I can't tell you a right way or wrong way. Um, but you're talking about the, the unique transition of you having a weapon and law enforcement arriving on scene. Yes. You never want to mix those two. Because a cop is being told over the radio that this has happened. They're looking for a gun. You don't want to be the person coming out with a gun. With the gun, right. You want to put it down or put it away and say, hey, I'm the good guy. Put it, put it back in your safe. Well, or, just, or just if you're covering the, uh, the, the burglar. Say. Define cover because right. just, for the, low, just, the lay people. If something has happened where you feel the need to take lethal action or use of force to protect you or your family, then if the person is still alive or just maybe incapacitated, you don't really want to necessarily, you don't want to let your guard down. You want to cover them. And that means watching them. Right. That means holding your, your weapon, whatever you used on them, and making sure that they don't attack again. Because mm-hmm. we're not trying to kill people. We're trying to stop the hostile threat. Right. Or their hostile action. So when I say cover, I would say you watch them. Mm-hmm. And prevent them from doing something else. And that's what I said earlier about, is there someone else in the home? Is there children? Is there a, an adult that's not mobile? You may find yourself having to stand in the gap between the person and them. Right. So when police come in, if the door's unlocked and they come in, or if they have to force their way in to get to you, you have a very short window of getting that weapon you're using to cover the person out of your hands before the police come in. A lot of times, too, though, you will remain on the phone with 911 until somebody gets there. Right. So the dispatcher can be talking to the law enforcement officer once they arrive and say, okay, you know, he's putting the weapon on the counter. He's walking out with his hands up, whatever the situation may be. But most of the time, I would think that the dispatcher would stay on the phone with the 911 caller until mm-hmm. they get there. Right. Now, now understand, you're going to you would approach a law enforcement officer. You're going to say, hey, I'm the good guy. How many times do we hear that a day? <laughs> We're all the good guy. <laughs> Everybody's the good guy. Everybody's the good guy. Oh, man. So I would, I would tell everybody listening that if you find yourself in a situation like that or any situation with a law enforcement officer and they go to put you in restraints, handcuffs for some reason or another, comply with it. Right. Because it's, we well, don't we know. Have, well, as, as a, a layperson or a civilian or what have you, I mean, we, when we think handcuffs, we think, oh, we're the bad guy now. But that's not That's the not case. the case. And you may fully expect to be handcuffed if you find that you have shot someone in, whether you're in the right or the wrong, but right. you think that you're in the right and you have shot someone, right. fully expect to be handcuffed. And then if you're not, that's great. But right. they have to get through, they have to work through everything. You know, right. they're not just going to sit there and take. These are safety measures right, that they're taking. Right. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm not a mind reader. Happen, I have to let the stories be told. I have to let the investigation begin. I have to let the scene speak for itself. Mm. 
But when I'm just arriving, I don't know who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. So I have to, me personally, or any prudent law enforcement officer, will put someone in restraints or cuffs until we figure out what exactly is going on. Because not everybody tells the truth we, either. <laughs> not everybody tells the truth. And I have people a lot of times that will commit a crime and then they will pretend to be the victim mm. to try to deflect the, 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 the recourse. Mm. So, again, it's for the officer's safety and everybody around that everybody goes in cuffs until we figure out what we actually have. Right. Uh, it's nothing personal. It's not saying you're the criminal. It's more of safety and procedure. Got it. Got it. All right. Uh, you know, uh, another thing that you brought up during uh, the active shooter seminar that we had, that you said that there are law enforcement impersonators yes. out there. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and what measures that, uh, that we can take to, to avoid becoming a victim? Well, I, it, it's another broad topic. It depends on the scenario that you're in. Let's say you're in the car. If, if you're driving down the road and someone tries to pull you over and they just don't really look like a cop or you get the feeling that they're not actual law enforcement, slow down to a, a level below the speed limit. Mm -hmm. Get on the phone and dial 911 and say, hey, I've, I'm being pulled over. Can you confirm this is a law enforcement officer? Give Got your it. location. Like, for instance, uh, you you see from your rearview mirror that it's, or you see that it's not a marked law Correct. enforcement vehicle. It's not the sheriff's department. It's not LPD. It's an unmarked vehicle, and they have lights, let's say, of some kind, and they're trying to pull you over. And that's what I'm talking about. If you're If you're in doubt, Slow down below the speed limit so you're not, if it is a law enforcement officer that's undercover, you're not be you're not being perceived as fleeing. Mm -hmm. So you would slow down and you would get on the phone and call 911. Would you stop? Would you, let's say you're, you're, you're at the stoplight and, and, and you've stopped right there, but there's that car still behind you. I think in a situation like that, you're probably running through your mind, okay, what did I do? You know, mm -hmm. why, why would why I, am I be being pulled right? Over? right? You know, so you have to think because in the law enforcement world, you have to have probable cause to pull someone over. You can't, you know, just because you don't like the color of their car, you can't pull them over. Right. So there has to be an infraction in order to be pulled over. Let's say, let's say <laughs> you did pull over and uh, the, this person's walking up to your car. And I think you made mention one time of, uh, I think it was like a, a, a number or a, or a license of some sort that they had ha that they would have or an ID, or, or an ID of mm -hmm. some sort that they that they could present. Yes, but on the side of the road, that's really the last time you want to do it. That's a last resort measure. Um, most law enforcement officers, be them undercover or not, when they're initiating a normal law enforcement function, say a traffic stop, they're going to be well marked. Mm -hmm. If you see a person that comes up that's that just really doesn't fit the bill, then you have reason to be suspicious. Got it. Um, at any time, you can ask an officer, "Hey, what's your what's your badge number? What what? Give me something. Mm. What what is your ID?" Mm -hmm. And and if they don't if they don't uh, provide it, or you still have that feeling that they're not, right? You might want to roll now, up when they get on. Now, a legitimate a legitimate police officer will present 
that information to you. Yes. Correct. A they, picture they, ID. I mean, do they have a, a picture ID that, you know, and I don't even know what, what those things look like, but my, much like a driver's My agency license. has an ID with a picture on it that says right. who I am. Got it. But the problem is, is, is badges can be duplicated. Hmm. Tin badges, metal badges, ID badges, they can be duplicated. A lot of times what gives you away from an imposter is they just don't fit the bill. Mm. They they they're not acting right. They're not asking the right questions. And they're not conducting themselves accordingly in a professional manner. Perhaps in a professional manner. Mm-hmm. Um, when in doubt, and you can ask them right. Why am I being pulled over? Oh yeah, definitely. Right. A lot of cops will right tell you will tell you right off uh, right at the onset of the encounter. Right. Hi, I'm such and such. This is why I pulled you over. Got it. Um, but again, not one answer fits all scenarios. So. You, you have to, again, enforce that situational awareness. You have to say to yourself, does this fit with what's going on and make a determination of what you're going to do? Right. Is it just simply rolling up the window and dialing 911? Is it escalating to a point to where you feel this person's not a cop and you have to flee? Again, you still have to notify law enforcement because if you're fleeing and you're wrong, it is a law enforcement officer, you might want to get someone involved real quick that can say, Hey, I'm scared. Right. And, and this is a matter I'm taking to protect myself because of my perceived fears mm-hmm. rather than just the, the officers being forced to say this person's fleeing and, and we don't know why. Right. There's two sides to every story. And what the conflict between law enforcement and society is we're not communicating well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People think they're being perceived wrong or, or persecuted or, or treated unfairly. A cop is just trying to find out what's going on. Right. Um, and when a cop is giving certain commands and certain directions, as soon as someone starts deviating from those, the fear level goes up on the cop because he's not sure what he has. Mm-hmm. Again, cops are human. They're starting to now wonder, is this guy going to attack me? This guy or gal going to attack me? Because they're no longer following direction. Right. And so that escalates a situation. When it would be best to just comply with what a cop says, and if you feel like you're wrong, to complain tomorrow. Right. But back to the original scenario of an imposter, that doesn't really apply because you're going to have to determine, is this a cop? Got it. And if you don't think it is, then you wouldn't want to comply. You would want to try to remove yourself from that scene. But again, you need to notify 911 immediately Mm -hmm. to, one, Determine if they are law enforcement. If they're not, get the cops here to start looking for this imposter. Now, you know, you, you dial nine one one and you're still in the car. You're you're driving under the speed limit, and then the the uh, the nine one one operator says, "Yes, that is uh, uh, an officer that's behind you. Go ahead and pull over." Right. Right. Pull yeah. to the side and then mm. just deal with it. And I, and I'm pulling over. Right. Again, it's the communication. If, if you, once we lose our ability to communicate, then we've created a problem for ourselves, mm. be it from, the, from my side of it or someone else's that I'm in, dealing with. Mm. Um, me, I would understand that if someone's scared, they did certain things. But that's also not to say that I'm going to let you take advantage of me when I'm, I'm chasing you for four blocks and when I find you, you've got dope on you, and you say, I ran because I was scared. Right. Well, why were you scared? Mm-hmm. Because you're the police. That's not a valid reason to be scared of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe you were scared because I'm the police, and you were going to go to jail for having the dope in your pocket. Right. But 
I'm not scary to you. C- can you guys speak on that a little bit uh, about uh, cannabis, med- medical marijuana, uh, CBD, no uh, and all these? Uh, <laughs> 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 well, these these hemp products that, and, and you, you have we have stores now popping up everywhere. Everywhere, yes. right? Uh, like the uh, medical marijuana clinics. You got uh, CBD stores that sell oils and products that 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 claim to not have any THC content, when in fact they do have. A very very small. I guess they're now uh, disclosing that it has uh, trace amounts. I believe. Yeah, I think um, it's still illegal. I just don't know that maybe some of the people that are allowing these stores to pop up are not aware of what they're actually selling. I don't know, mm. um, but I know Grady Judd doesn't want it in his county, so. <laughs> Bottom line. This is evolving, and it's continuing to change. I saw on the news this morning that the Senate, state Senate just voted to to uh, allow smoking of medicinal marijuana. Okay. And it's just going to continue to expand, and it's going to continue to change. And, and from the law enforcement side of it, we have to follow state law, what that is at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain safeguards where that's being implemented to keep people from being uh, – uh, charged wrongly right. because of a presumptive positive test or due to a breakdown in medical certification. Mm-hmm. There's just, it's an evolving arena right now. And right. Uh, we're just trying to all learn our way through it. Got it. Um, if you feel that uh, you may be judged harshly because of what you may have, how about keep it at home? Don't be out trying don't to drive with it. it. In, you know, you don't bring it out in public. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, a cop has his tool belt. He has his test that he uses. Mm-hmm. And if they come back positive, then we, we act on that. Mm-hmm. Um, as technology grows and we start dealing with other chemicals and, and certain CBD products and certain uh, K2 products. K2. We're, we're not allowed. Mm-hmm. We can't test that at the moment. But we right. can send it to a lab for testing. Got it. Um, what if let let's let's say uh, uh, scenario you you pull someone over, and you smell you smell cannabis, uh, you smell the smoke, uh, and they say, well, hey, I, I got my I have my medical marijuana card, right? And and what does that mean? What does that mean to to law enforcement? Well, everything has to have a check and a balance. So if they've got a medical card, there's an issue in authority somewhere. Again, I'm the good guy. Mm-hmm. I hear it every day. I have I have uh, run into people who say, "Hey, um, the weed in these pants, it's not mine because these aren't my pants, but you're wearing them." <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay, <laughs> they're not well, my pants, right? They're not my pants. But by the way, I have a, a medical card for for weed. Well, give the example of. And then I say, well, "Where is that at? I don't have it." Uh, you know, everybody tries to to lie uh, their way out of it. Or, or come up with some kind of technique to minimize it. Right. Um, so there has to be a check and balance. And if you're presenting a medical card, then there has to be an issuing authority that can validate it. Mm-hmm. And there is. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you were saying? I don't know if you can share this or not, but um, when you were out walking the neighborhood, you and your guys on foot patrol – and y'all smelled something in one of the, I think it was one of the vacation rental homes or something. 
and uh, you had a little encounter with that guy. I think he was out of state and smoking and didn't realize or, or said he didn't realize it was illegal here. Was he from Colorado or something? <laughs> I don't think he was from I, – I think he was like Georgia or Alabama or somewhere. Well, that's where the problem comes in. You have people coming from states where, where open smoke is okay. Isn't um, like a like in Nevada or Las Vegas? Isn't that is it legal there? Like a like a, you can have it out. In I, d- I don't or, I don't know I their laws. Yeah. I know Colorado's like they have everything now. But mm-hmm. they they come Mushrooms. here with that culture, mm-hmm. and then they crash into our culture that says you can't have it, mm-hmm. and it, it creates a problem because they don't take time to think. Uh, I read an article recently about um, it was an article for cops. Okay, about carrying with a concealed weapon across state lines and going to different parts of the country. We're seeing, we're seeing stories where someone will go to a certain state and because of the ammunition they're carrying or the way they have their firearm, even though they're entitled to carry it, they find themselves being charged criminally because they're violating that local law. Hmm. So the only thing I can advise the listeners here is to be aware of local laws. Wherever you travel, if you're going on vacation and you go overseas, you go to another country, you go to another state, familiarize yourself with their laws and their customs mm-hmm. so you don't find yourself in violation of it. Yeah, right. do your homework. Do your homework, yeah. Okay, well, great. Uh, you know, hey, on a lighter note, um, Melanie, I know you have uh, a fondness for animals. <laughs> and, I do. And the, you, you, I mean, from from the from all all the things that I've seen, it looks like you guys have a farm. Um, yes. Right? Is that is that true? <laughs> the funny farm. Yes, we have five dogs. Actually, we had six, and we just lost our little Emma back no. in November. But um, we have five. They're all rescues uh, that came to me from all different parts of the country. Um, so we have five dogs, four chickens. A cat, a bunny rabbit, and a parakeet. See, so. this is this is what I mean. That you, when I first met you guys, uh, I think I, I don't know what it was, but I had the the intuition that you guys were law enforcement <laughs> for just for whatever whatever I promise reason. I don't look I, anything you know, like a cop. And 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 then, but but getting to know you guys, you're uh, you know that stereotype of of, of being uh, uh, an officer of the law. It, it seems pretty rigid and regimented um, versus you guys are like, you know, the, some of the most fun people that I know. Um, I mean, with all the animals that you have right. and, and then how much you guys give so far as uh, the workouts and, and, uh, and all the fun that we have in the, in the dojo. Um, well, I yeah. Think people would be really surprised. Is, yeah. is a great release, especially for him to get some of that rigidness out mm-hmm. so he can kind of, well, like I said earlier, we're people. We have fears. We have anger. We have sadness. We have excitement. Mm. Um, a normal day at work is is hours of boredom augmented by seconds of terror. Oh. And that's how fast it goes back and forth. It's like pins um, and needles. But when I'm off duty, I still obey the law and I still have that that law enforcement mentality, mm. but I can kid around a little bit more. I can relax a little bit more and, right. and I like to have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't dismiss me that if I witness a crime and I'm off duty, I will take action. Right. Especially if someone's needing help, mm-hmm. but that's my persona, not so much my professional life. Got it. Um, I, that's why I took this job was to help people. Right. 
and I've done it all my life. If someone needs help, I'm going to, I'm going to help them. Right. And uh, so I like to have fun. I'm just like anybody else. Right. It just, I mean, I you wear, guys use, I wear I, a I, uniform. it's, it's, a, it's apparent that you guys use martial arts, not only for overall wellness, but for stress relief. I mean, you guys let it out in, 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 a, in a constructive way, of course. And I mean, you're sweating buckets, both of you guys. And, you know, at, at the end of class, you just look relieved. You just look you I know, think relieved, happy. <laughs> Law enforcement can be stressful. So yeah. many people just don't have a clue the scars that are there. I, I certainly don't have the scars that he has, but I, I do have a few from some of the stuff that I encountered and dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has far more scars than I do. But they're, they never leave you. Mm. You know, one of my biggest scars is trying to revive a five-month-old child. Oh, my God. You know, it just looks like a baby doll laying on the floor there when you walk in. So mm. that's not what you're looking for. And then you come to realize, you know, that's the unresponsive child. Right. You know, and you're telling yourself because he's still warm to the touch. Mm. You know, he's coming back. He's coming back as you're pressing on his tiny little chest, mm. you know, trying mm-hmm. to do CPR. And he doesn't come back. Oh. You know, and that's I'm going to get emotional talking about it because that's that's still one of my my biggest things that I, I deal with. Mm. And as Larry can tell you, um, we don't know what triggers those, the emotions that come back and visit us from these, you know, atrocities that Mm -hmm. we've seen. Um, but every once in a while, you know, if I find that he's kind of quiet and, you know, kind of staring off into space, that's kind of lets me know, you right. know, something's there. Something's come back to visit him. What, whenever I see LPD or a sheriff's department, I think to myself, these guys need a break. These guys need a break. Right. And, and not saying that, oh, you know, hey, you know, you look stressed out. That not, that's not what I mean. I, I mean that every encounter, it, it, it must be difficult because you have to gauge who you're dealing with what person that you're dealing with. Is this a decent person or not? And right? I think they're so misunderstood, law enforcement officers, because they see the worst in people every day, you know, and they're expected right. to just move forward and, you know, with a smile on their face, mm-hmm. you know, when they deal with these asshats on mm-hmm. a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just supposed to be okay. You know, right. why, why are you being a jerk to me? Well, you know, you don't know what I just left. Got it. You know, and I think if people could just put themselves in that position, you know, I mean, it's not even be for a day. It's got immensely difficult it's job. It, I, I, I would never be able to do what you guys do. It's got to be just so difficult. I think that's Mentally why we're so strained. jaded mm. to so much because we've seen the good and we've mostly seen the bad, though. Mm. You mm. know, that it's, it's hard to, to look past all of the, the crap that you see. Right. But um, yeah, I use Creati Beyond as therapy. <laughs> <laughs> it's your therapy, <laughs> and it's great therapy. And it and is. the physical aspect of it keeps me in shape or better shape. I try to work out a lot, but this just adds to it. Mm-hmm. The discipline involved is, is is helping me keep things in parameters mm-hmm. that I need to be in, mm-hmm. and uh, it's regimented, so it's another discipline aspect of it. Right. And then I'm developing friendships too that yeah. that 
also helps me see that, you know, not everybody is the enemy. Right. And yes, I look at a lot of, a lot, look at a lot of people skeptical when I first meet them Mm -hmm. and I'm assessing them and I'm sizing them up. And that's like any situation I go into. But if I can be your friend at the end of the day, I'd much rather do that than, than, uh, just be jaded and say, you know what? Right. I'm done with people. I'm well, done I, with people. you know, I mean, we we get uh, yeah, people of all walks of life that come into my doors, right? And I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've been doing this a long time. I can tell when someone walks in whether they're gonna be a member, uh, whether they're gonna be suited for the said, you know, lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and I'm sure you guys get that too. I mean, you bump into someone tell right away whether there's a level of decency there or not or it's just this is this is pending judgment (laughs) well we're (laughs) we go out to dinner and we'll sit you know we always sit facing the doors you know so we can see who walks in and Mm -hmm. normally our topic of conversation you know is something like "Mm, i wonder when he was released from prison (laughs) i mean it's just that's the the type of mentality that you have when, I, and I know that's horrible. I mean, that, that's not what we. No, but that's real. It, it that's is. real. No, that that's real. It's yeah. it's the life we live, you know, because you you need to, and you don't necessarily need to, you know, decide whether they just were released from prison or not. But <laughs> but look for people. These are these are the types of things that you need to be aware of. That's why we never sit with our backs against the door you know we want to see who's coming in we want to see you know does that person look suspicious you know somebody walking in with a gun right you know that's just always something that you need well that's that that, i mean those are that that level of awareness and i mean for for regular folk it's it's almost as if a lot of us is walking around with blinders on absolutely right because you know, prior to, to meeting you guys and, and learning about what you do and, and having um, uh, the, the active shooter seminar that we did, it, I didn't think of things in that level, right? Well, being in a restaurant, mm-hmm. right? Or, or, or should being pulled over by an imposter or I don't know, it, it, all, all the number of things. It's like a lot of us, I, it's so painful and it's so challenging to our psyche that we just don't want to think about it. Right. A we lot of people don't want to think about that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I, like I, I have my concealed carry, and I, and before meeting you guys, I never really carried. Right. I mean, I have my concealed carry, but I don't, I don't, I don't carry right. a firearm prior to meeting you guys. <laughs> and then, I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, uh, but these are all realities that need to be addressed, or life will address it for us when we're not ready well and that's the sad part that so many like you said choose to not go there because i don't want to have to deal with that but why not be proactive instead of reactive Mm. you know why not have a plan in place if this does go south while i'm sitting at the dinner table at a restaurant somewhere go ahead and have that plan in place so you know you know you, you you go over it with your husband or your spouse and you know, okay, if somebody walks in, you know, with a gun or, you know, whatever their threat right. is, have a plan to either look for that exit mm-hmm. or, you know, engage it. And I, and I know how a lot of people will, will take that. They'll think, thank goodness there's people like you guys out there. 
because that just can't be me. And a lot of people I can't don't abide have by that. <laughs> I can't abide by that. Well, well um, no, 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 no. I, I cross that. I that's. I mean, you you are that individual, and and that's 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 fine, right? But I I can't. For me, I can't. And a lot of people don't have the mindset that it takes to. To live. That's right. To fight for their life. That's right. I I was teaching a class a month or so ago. Uh, a personal safety class Mm -hmm. to a group of ladies and we got on the topic of concealed carry and she wanted to you know have some lessons so she could get her her permit and all she wanted to do was shoot them in the leg Mm. and I said you know that if if that's for you that's great you know but if somebody's threatening my life I am not shooting them in the leg you know I'm I'm doing what needs to be done to eliminate the threat and go home at night. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not aiming, you know, at the knee, the leg, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're on any type of drugs or intoxicated or unstable in any way, mm-hmm. you know, a shot to the leg is probably not going to affect them anyway. Right. And that's a, that's a person that doesn't understand the dynamics of a violent encounter. Mm. I mean, would What's they even have their wits about them to shoot someone? You have right. to start talking about tunnel vision, mm-hmm. audio exclusion, all the all the things that happen to you on a physical level when you're under great stress. Mm-hmm. Will you be able to hit that leg, or will you miss the leg and shoot someone behind that That's person? Right. right. And again, it's it's not just you and this person. You, as a responsible person with a firearm, you have to know what your backstop is, what's beyond your target. What further dangers are you going to create by your recklessness? Mm. Okay. I wish there was some magic solution that would eliminate lethal force. But right now there's not. Trying to shoot someone in the leg during a violent encounter when they're moving around is, is difficult. That's why most people are taught to shoot center mass. That's right. Because it's a bigger target. It's not because you really want to kill the person.